0: Welcome to Jacqueline Explores, the podcast where we explore science, somatics, and social change. I'm your host, Jacqueline Shea. I'm an embodiment coach, facilitator, researcher, and science communicator. After 10 years in public health and health tech, my own trauma healing journey brought me to somatics. In this podcast, I'll share the cutting-edge science and somatic frameworks and tools that change my life and will help you feel better, move through stress, heal trauma, and live the life of your dreams. But that's not all. I'll also highlight why and how most individual issues have systemic roots and the social change work being done and needed to create a world in which we can all thrive. Let's explore. Hello, today is all about my favorite somatic practice of all time, Yoga Nidra, also known as non-sleep deep deep rest or NSDR for you Andrew Huberman fans, Um, but it's literally the one I do every single day, more than the practices that are more traditional in somatics, more than anything, I do this every afternoon, sometimes multiple. So today, I'm going to talk about what yoga nidra is, a little bit of the history to contextualize it, a lot of the science of what what do we know about what's happening in our brains and bodies during yoga nidra, as well as what are the impacts of yoga nidra on our health and well-being, and I'll end by guiding you through a yoga nidra practice so that you can actually experience this. Okay, so yoga nidra, also known as yogic sleep are non-sleep deep rest, the more clinical um, way of saying it. Um, It's basically as old as yoga itself. Um, I've read different things dating back to around 600 BC, um, third century, you know, it's hard to really determine when the first time something was was actually mentioned, Um, but it's referenced in several different yogic texts. Um, and it's basically referenced as a state, so not as a practice, which is how we often talk about it now, but as a state of consciousness. And it's this third out of four levels of, of states of consciousness, and it's essentially this deep, deep, deep meditative state. Um, so one quote um, that describes Yoganidra says, that thoughtless sleep, which consists of just consciousness. So it's really this, um, Essentially, it's this mental space that we can get into that is not sleep, but we're not awake. And it's it's actually very different from just a short meditation, um, but it's this, this, this in between consciousness and subconscious. Um, so the yoga nidra was referred to as a state in many um, yogic texts, but we see in the 1970s that it really became a practice. Um, by Dennis Bo- Dennis Boys in 1973, and I hope I don't butcher this, but Satyananda Saraswati in 1976. So in the 70s, you know, we have the Human Potential Movement, we have yoga and all the meditation coming to um, the West, and Yoga Nidra is one. Didn't get as popular until recently, but it has been in in the broader um, culture for, for a bit now. And so that's when um, yoga nidra, as is practiced now, really came into being, and I'll describe that a little bit. Um, but let's, let's talk about what it is. So, okay, it essentially is this state that is, is between being awake and being asleep. It is in between conscious and subconscious. So you're not fully awake, you're not fully asleep, you're not fully conscious, you're not fully subconscious. And this is also referred to as a hypo no, I'm gonna put you this, Okay. Let's see if I can say it. Hypnagogic state. Hypnagogic. Yep. We nailed it. Someone tell me if it's not right, I'll take it. Um, Which is just a way of saying in between awake and sleep. And so what's specifically happening when we say this, you're like, okay, but what does that mean? So what's happening is our brain waves are shifting. Um, So we have many different brain waves. The one that most of us are always in is alpha. And that's the one where we're going, we're talking, we're doing, we're thinking. Like, it's the classic monkey mind. It's all the thoughts. It's like, it's what we do on a daily basis most of the day. And it's not bad, it's just not great if that's the only state we're in when we are awake. Um, and if you listen to my episode with Allison Bag on, on the sound bath, sound baths are also a way to access these states. So, alpha is the one we're kind of mostly in during when we're awake. Um, yoga nidra can help us shift into beta and theta brain waves, which are associated beta with deep sleep. And so this is when the juicy stuff like cellular repair and regeneration is happening. It's when we're consolidating memories. It's when our brain is literally kind of filing away the things that happened today so that our short-term um Essentially, it's like our basket is empty and we can do more things. Ideally, that's how we wake up, but that's also what can happen during yoga nidra. Um, and during deep sleep is also when removal of waste from the brain happens. And we know that Alzheimer's is um, associated with perhaps this buildup of, of waste of a specific um, uh, protein, neurochemical. We won't get into that, but um, so beta is deep sleep that happens early in the night. um, And yet many of us don't get enough deep sleep. Theta, that's REM sleep. That's um, when you're in flow, when you're in flowy states, when your ideas are just coming, you might think about you're in a long road trip and you're not really active, like you are driving, but you're just kind of in this flowy, dreamy state that 's one example of theta, and these are two brain waves that research has found that we go into during yoga nidra um, and these are kind of the main mechanisms by which yoga Nidra helps us is we 're essentially getting the benefits of sleep of a full eight hours of sleep or more or less um, it's definitely you know depending on how long you do it but i'm not I am not saying that yoga nidra can replace sleep let me just say that now, but you're getting this bite sized dose of sleep midday or whenever you do it. And so thus you're getting those benefits. Um, and so the other way that it really works is by shifting your body into parasympathetic, AKA rest and digest. And um, I have an episode, um, it's called the concept that changed my mental health, and the vagus nerve, and it's all about, you know, Sympathetic, which is our activation, our gas pedal, and parasympathetic, which is our break. So listen to that if you want a little bit more info. And the word parasympathetic, you're like, I don't know what that means. But essentially parasympathetic is rest and digest. And what happens during this? Our heart rate lowers, our blood pressure lowers, our breathing slows down. Um, we are actually doing things like digestion. Insulin is actually being creative, created. Um, basically our body is doing all those lovely repair activities that we need long term and most of us our our culture really is sympathetic dominant we're go 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 that's what capitalism does so um, yoga nidra gives us an opportunity to really quickly and really potently experience deep parasympathetic rest um, which I kind of have the theory that the more we do it the more it shifts our body's baseline um, Yeah, so the two main mechanisms by which yoga nidra works is shifting us into sleep brainwaves and shifting us into rest and digest mode. Um, But the cool research, okay, y'all, I'm gonna give you like a really high level lit review. Um, I was debating how much to go into depth. So if you do, if you're like, oh no, Jacqueline, give me all the research, please send me an email because I will do that, Um, but. I'll first summarize the, like, a bunch of findings at a high level and then I'll go into a few specific studies that I thought were really cool. Um, and just the one thing I'll note is, um, you know, I've, I've read a bunch of research and I've really kind of picked out the ones that I think have good study design and I can trust. Um, but a lot of these are small samples, you know? I think the biggest one was only 80 or 120 people. Some of them are really small, which is actually totally okay if you're doing things like brain scans because that's expensive and hard to do on like hundreds and hundreds of people. Um, and i do want to do an episode later where i really talk about research and how to how to be like a critical consumer of research and understanding how do we really know what we know and like how can i really trust some findings but i would say yoga nidra is at this early stage in research where we have a lot of these small studies um some just have a group doing it some also have a control group Um, you know, we don't necessarily, we do have a lot of different populations, which is great, but right now, like yoga nidra research is still in the early phases. Um, and it's a yes. And so I also feel that we do have enough research to be like, this is really good for us. And one of the reasons why I feel so confident is, um, the VA actually includes yoga nidra as... Part of their care for veterans who are experiencing PTSD, but also like a lot of issues and they offer yoga nidra I I believe it's every Monday at 5 p.m. PST, but Google that if you're a veteran Um, So they they believe that yoga nidra works so well that they provide it and I don't know about you But that's pretty convincing to me. Anyways, that's a side note. Let's jump into the research. So I'll first talk a little bit about what some um, some impacts have been so First, self-reported. And self-reported just means someone was asked about, you know, how is your, you know, on a scale of one to 10 or whatever, you know, how is your uh, depression, for example. So, yoga nidra has been associated with self-reported reductions in severity of anxiety, depression, stress intensity, PTSD symptoms, negative affect, which is a kind of a, a broader kind of mood, Um, concept, insomnia, chronic pain, and pain intensity. I'm gonna go into a few of these in depth. Um, So that's self-reported. And for many conditions, we only have self-report. Like we only have self-report for depression. But um, when we actually can measure um, a tangible thing such as blood pressure, that's even more convincing. Like, you know, it's not just how someone feels, but it's like, oh, we can measure this in a quote-unquote objective way and so um, yoga nidra has been found to reduce um, bad cholesterol aka low-density lipoproteins and triglycerides so that's the cholesterol that we don't want that when we say like I have high cholesterol it's usually those um, associated with heart disease and, and lots of not so great stuff that um, very associated with you know, morbidity and mortality in the US. Um, so yoga nidra has been found to, to lower blood pressure as well as resting heart rate. Um, and then it's also been associated with an increase in good cholesterol, which is actually protective and we want good cholesterol. And increase in heart rate variability, which is essentially our heart rate really matching the conditions that we like. Our heart rate being faster when we when we kind of are go and lower when we can rest. Um, we want heart. We want good heart rate variability. If our heart rate's always the same, it's kind of a sign that we might be stuck in a stress response. Um, Yoga nidra has been found to um, produce endogenous dopamine release, which I'll talk more about that, and cerebral blood flow. So. The the summary of all of this is basically, it can reduce a lot of symptoms that people, symptoms and conditions that people are struggling with. Um, And in some studies that I'll talk about, uh, it's even better than standard care, including cognitive behavioral therapy, um, our standard care for like pain, for example. Um, But it also doesn't have to be an either or, it can be a great supplemental. So let's dive into some of this research. Okay. And I'm gonna, I'm still gonna kind of do it a little more high level because I have this working assumption that people want the science, but they don't necessarily want every single detail. So again, if you want every single detail, I love that. Tell me. Okay. So let's talk about stress, mood, and mental health. Um, so, um, yoga nidra relatedly, it's, it's been found to be very effective for insomnia. Um, but particularly it, 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 can help the negative effects of insomnia. So um, among a study of people with insomnia, they found a 31% decrease in negative affect and a 13% increase in positive affect. So basically less bad mood, more good moods. We love to hear it. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about insomnia. Um, a study among college students found that yoga, that the yoga nidra group, so compared to the control group, um, had decreased levels of stress intensity compared to the control. So, um, basically, they were less stressed because of doing yoga nidra. A study of women with menstrual disorders found a significant reduction in anxiety and depression um, because of yoga nidra. They didn't actually evaluate the menstrual disorder symptoms. It was the anxiety and depression associated um, with the menstrual disorders. Um, my favorite study of all, because I think it's, it's wild and I've, um, it's, it's the only one that, that measured these things and I hope to see more but there's a study that evaluated 20 minutes of yoga nidra and five minutes of chanting om for five days a week for two months so i do want to name like you know it's yoga nidra and om and chanting humming all of that is a really powerful way to stimulate your vagus nerve which shifts you into parasympathetic so we don't fully know how much of this is yoga nidra how much of this is oming um but the science behind oming and or humming is really good it's a great practice so they found that 20 minutes of yoga nidra five minutes of chanting, five days a week for two months, had these both statistical significant and clinically significant, which, you know, those aren't always the same thing. Um, reduction in blood pressure on the 30th day and even more on the 60th day. So even just 30 days, but even more on 60. Um, also a significant decrease in the bad cholesterol and those triglycerides, again, on the 30th day and even more on the 16th day. And again, the the increase in the positive, the good um, cholesterol, again, at day 30 and at day 60. Um, and this was, compa- the control group basically saw no changes. And the control group, I'm pretty sure, was just um, standard care. Um, you know, they didn't, they didn't change people's, um, if they were already on kind of meds or such, they didn't change those. So this one really impressed me because, um, Yeah, blood pressure and cholesterol really contributes to a lot of the disease burden and the premature death that we see um, in the United States, but really anywhere that has these sort of, you know, diseases related to heart disease, like basically the lifestyle related ones. Um, And to have blood pressure and cholesterol go down slash the good ones go up like this like this this study really impressed me um and i will say i don't ohm, but i do hum most mornings and it's delightful it really just wakes me up so um yeah uh my own personal plus one for humming and yoga nidra um one study looked at pain management among um combat veterans So the study was by the va and again this looked at both statistical significance, which by the way, just means that um, a finding is, we're pretty sure it's not due to chance. Um, And then clinically significant, which means like, does this actually make a difference in someone's life in their experience of having this condition? Um, So sorry for not saying that sooner. So this looked at veterans focusing on pain and it found major reductions um, in both the pain intensity and how much the pain was interfering with their ability to do daily activities and just live their life. Um, And the control group was just standard care. And so this found major reductions, um, right, among veterans about pain intensity and how much it was interfering with their lives. Um, And just a caveat, pain is often a common comorbidity or um, related symptom of PTSD, right? The body keeps the score in many ways and it will often speak to us in whatever ways it can, including things that might be unrelated. So even though this wasn't on PTSD, um, that's probably a role here. Um, Another really interesting study, (laughs) I'm just giving you like my highlights of what I found most interesting. (laughs) This one is so funny. I love that. Someone was like, what if we did this? Okay. They had people either. Okay. People were getting colonoscopies. Some people just got a colonoscopy. Some people listen to music during a colonoscopy. Some people listen to a yoga nidra recording during a colonoscopy. And guess what? Um, the patient's perceptions of pain and the, um, the endoscopist probably like a GI doctor perceived like the colon scope insertion difficulty, which, you know, is a, is a, is a, is a unique and delicate process. Um, so both the pain and the difficulty of insertion was significantly reduced both by the music and the yoga nidra recording. Um, but patient's willingness to do the procedure again, um, and the total duration was, sorry, their their willingness to do it improved and their total duration, the total time reduced only by the yoga nidra recording and not by just the music. Um, and so that's really interesting because there's there's a little bit of like a cost benefit here of, you know, doctor's offices want these things to go quickly. When people find medical procedures uncomfortable, they're less likely to do them and like, you know, i can't imagine this feels good so to have it be less painful during and basically have all parties involved be like yeah that went better that's really great um hopefully you don't have a colonoscopy anytime soon but if you do might i suggest listening to a yoga nidra okay let's go back to sleep a little bit more so um cognitive behavioral therapy is the gold standard for um insomnia however Um, Many of us have our critiques of cognitive behavioral therapy, and there's often room for other interventions to support. And Yoga Nidra has some really promising research um, among sleep. So a few findings that I want to highlight. Um, One study found that there was a decrease in sleep onset latency, and this is basically just how long it takes to fall asleep. So how long does it take you to fall asleep? And this finding was 10 minutes, which, In some ways you might think, well, that's not that big of a deal, but 10 minutes is actually a huge freaking deal. Again, the difference between something can be statistically significant, but also what's the clinical impact. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if I don't fall asleep within 10 minutes, like my brain starts telling me I'm not gonna be able to fall asleep. And then that like makes it harder to fall asleep. So being able to fall asleep faster, huge deal. Um, Another study, found um so this study compared cognitive therapy the gold star with yoga nidra and they found that yoga nidra actually vastly outperformed cbt including um subjective total sleep time so what is the total sleep time that people had sleep efficiency um which is like how quickly you um are falling asleep and like amount of time in bed versus time sleeping, um, wake after sleep onset, um, reduction in total wake duration, right? So like if you're waking up in the middle of the night, how much time are you awake? And enhancement in, in subjective sleep quality. So a self-reported, how, how good did you sleep last night? Um, and so cognitive behavioral therapy didn't have those, in, didn't have those improvements. Yoga Nidra did. Um, and I'll, I'll say a little bit more at the end about like when to do a, a yoga Nidra. Um, but whether used during, um, insomnia or during the day, it can improve sleep. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'll name just two more cause I don't want to like bore you if this isn't your jam. So, um, one study found it used Um, EEGs, which is essentially measuring the electromagnetic or the electrical activity in your brain, which is really what is, our brain is just one big electrical hub. Um, And we looked at, you know, it had this EEG on these people's heads um, pre, during, and post yoga nidra. And what they found was essentially that the brain did go into those sleep brain waves while the person was awake. And this was with novices, so people who hadn't done it before. And essentially, electrophysiologically, <laughs> yoga nidra produces local sleep. So that means part of the brain is asleep and other parts are still awake, but slow down. So this, this really is the scientific um, uh, kind of evidence of this this state between consciousness, between being fully awake, between being asleep. Um, so it, yeah, we, we really do get this local sleep, this slowing down, this shifting of brain waves, even though other parts of our brain are still online and are still awake. And then the last study I just wanna mention, this is one that is referenced a lot. Um, so, it it used a um, a PET scan and it found a 65% increase in endogenous dopamine release, and specifically receptors that are um, related to locomotion, AKA motor movement, attention, sleep, memory, and learning, right? All the good stuff, all the stuff that we really want um, to experience an increase in, in essentially energy although it's not quite that simple but you know if there's any parts of our brain to be replenished and re-nourished yeah those are pretty good parts um the one caveat i'll say for this study is um it did have 80 people but they were all meditation teachers so they may have been able to drop in deeper more quickly Um, And they also had people do it for 72 minutes, which is a longer version and is harder to do on a daily basis. Um, So this 75% increase, even though it's widely studied or widely cited, um, we don't actually know like, well, how much dopamine do you get from doing a 20 minute yoga nidra per se, or like, what is the experience like if someone's new to it? Um, But I will say for Almost all my clients, they say they feel more energized after yoga nidra and they feel like they had a full night of sleep. So qualitatively, I've heard a lot of stories that really support this finding. Okay, so I just talked a lot of science at you and I tried to keep it high level, but I may have left out details that you're yearning for. Let me just summarize my synthesis of this. So what I, what I read from this literature is that we have evidence that our brain waves literally change during yoga nidra. We have evidence that yoga nidra um, gives us dopamine, which is all about giving us essentially energy to pursue something, right? It gives us sort of that feeling of motivation. Um, we know that it, Reduces pain. It can reduce um, difficulty sleeping. We know that it can be increase positive mood. It can decrease negative affect. It can decrease um, symptoms associated with depression and anxiety. It can literally improve, in a measurable way, things like blood pl- blood pressure and cholesterol. So, although you know this research is still in its early stages um the fact that the va is recommending it for veterans and providing it to them this all of this research is really really promising and yoga nidra basically doesn't have any side effects um the only side effect is if you're really really sleepy and you do it you might fall asleep and you might just stay asleep so you know you've been warned um but that's that's basically my synthesis of, of how it happens and again to reiterate the really um, the big picture stuff is it puts us into that parasympathetic rest and digest. So our body is getting this intense dose, this really, really restorative time. It's more restorative than meditating. They're doing different things. One's not better. They're just different. Um, and we're getting this micro dose of sleep and what that does is it, it, it it means that we're spending more time out of our day, even if it's only 20 minutes more, in this really calm, really rested, really restorative place. And it gives our body this contrast of before and after. And you know, what I see in my people is instead of reaching for that afternoon cup of coffee, they start doing yoga nidra. Instead of feeling like, oh, I just need to keep going and going and going, they decide to take a break, do yoga nidra, and then they have more energy or they're like actually I need to rest it's it's really freaking clear to me um, and you know because we're getting those sleep brain waves we're doing all the the physical and sort of the mental and emotional processing and restoration that happens during sleep um including the real physiological cellular level, but also the mental processing. Um, Just the way our brain kind of files away things that we just worked on into where they need to go of like, oh, yes, I need to work on that project long term. need to follow up with that person. Instead of it being really front and center, it can be somewhere where it's less cognitively um, cognitively present and really taxing on the system. But we can also process things emotionally um, without actually having to think about them. Um, so, you know, sometimes you'll just like, things will just come up and it's like, you're able to process them in this neutral, relaxed state. And because it is this state between wakefulness and asleep, um, you can kind of process things in a way that is less intense, maybe less triggering, less emotional than you would fully awake. Um, It also really can help people connect with their bodies in a way that can be hard when we're fully conscious. So especially for the people with pain, um, yeah, any kind of, you know, honestly physical or mental pain, anything that doesn't feel good in your body, it can be hard to just go into the body and feel that. Whereas if you do this process of really slowing down, really coming into your body, you can feel it in a way that isn't overwhelming. And maybe there is discomfort But there's also this real kind of neutrality, just this pure consciousness. So um, I found that it really helps people deepen their relationship with their bodies, especially if you've experienced trauma and you have a difficult time connecting with your body um, in a way that is more neutral and more nourishing. And so it's a really great starting point. A few of my clients have actually shared some awesome feedback about yoga Nidra. These are folks who were in body language lab and yoga Nidra was part of it. So let's hear from them and their experiences. And I think one of the best practices that I've learned from the course of, of, over the course was the yoga Nidra practice in general, just like learning about it. I don't know why I never heard of it before. Um, And just actually being able to apply that outside of the classes which i've been uh enjoying doing and it definitely feels like it regulates my body a little bit more like i feel though the temperature kind of go
1: down and um don't feel like as much rumination as normal and so i think that that's been like the number one like best practice from the whole experience I had tried yoga nidra a few times before here and there, a few meditations, um, but I didn't really know that much about it until I did a yoga nidra workshop with Jacqueline. Um, it was a deep rest yoga nidra night and, um, it was great. I definitely slept very well that night and, um, doing body language lab too and having access to other yoga nidra meditations that Jacqueline offers, like, um, was really beneficial for me, um, especially like realizing, um, when I would kind of hit that wall, like in the late afternoon, usually around like three or four and I would be like, oh, I guess I can't work anymore for the day or I can't like, you know, I'm just kind of have to like shut down and kind of be in hermit mode the rest of the day. Cause I'm tired. Um, but I started doing, um, the 45 minute yoga nidras, um, during that time. And it was like, I was restarting my day. Um, and I always felt like afterwards too, I could always feel less pressure in my head and, um, less tension in my shoulders too. Um, so now it's definitely one of my favorite things to do, um, like during those times or, um, she also has a really great like 13 minute yoga nidra, which is like perfect for a quick little reset or like on my break at work. Um. Because that's very helpful for when I kind of get a little overstimulated and need to bring it back down a few notches so that way I can be um, on top of my game. Um, but then also just on top of that, like, the nights that I do and if I'm consistent about it, I definitely notice a difference of, like, I feel I'm be able, I'm able to come to a place of, like, relaxation or rest a little quicker at night and, like, kind of falling asleep. Um, and it also just kind of helps with my general, like... Uh, because I get pretty like overstimulated during the day sometimes, and my nervous system will get a little out of whack. Um, and I feel like it just kind of helps me kind of come back down into my body and feel like I'm ready to go. And um, yeah, it's just I I love it that that it helps me just rest and be in my own essence for a bit and recharge, and then come back into the world ready to go. And I I found yoga nidra really helpful in kind of like like processing things without processing and both like more emotional things and like creative things Mm -hmm. um like i was apartment searching and i i couldn't decide about this apartment and i just did a short yoga nidra and i was like oh my god this place is so great like why why am i not putting it and i live here i live there now
2: yeah Um,
1: i applied and i live in that apartment i'm like i can't believe i almost didn't put in an application and it was doing the yoga nidra where i was just i wasn't thinking about the apartment necessarily actively but it ended and i was like
2: oh, something has
1: unlocked
2: like mm. in my subconscious
0: oh, i love hearing the impact of yoga nidra on my clients and before I talk about what the practice actually looks like, what someone guides you in um, and when to do it, I want to plug a free yoga nidra I'm facilitating on Thursday, August 10th, from fi- starting at 5.30 Pacific Standard Time. So that might be 8.30 if you're on the East Coast or an entirely different time if you're somewhere else. So that's Thursday, August 10th. It's free, 5.30 um, p.m. if you're Pacific. But there will be a link below and I highly suggest you register and get the recording. Even if you can't join us live, this is going to be a much longer yoga Nidra. And these are the ones that are really, really, really restorative. And you know, this is going to be the kind of thing that you want access to so that you can just benefit again and again and again. Okay. Let's actually talk about what happens during yoga Nidra now. So, um, Yoganidra can really range in duration. I would say a 20 to 30 minute one is ideal there. You can absolutely do it for as short as like five to seven minutes. I do it much longer if I'm really fatigued, um, but the, the 20 to 30 minutes is like the right dose for like a daily practice. And you'll essentially lie down, get all cozy. I love a pillow under my, my knees, love an eye mask. And you're in like shavasana, plus a pillow under your knees if that's comfortable. And then how these commonly start, if they're yoga nidra and if they're not non-sleep deep rest, which kind of removes any of the spiritual or it just is the purely um, the purely guided stuff, which I'll talk about in a second. But the, the um, yoga nidra uses asan kalpa, which also means intention or resolution. Um, it's Sanskrit for intention resolution. And this is basically an I am statement that is about what you are calling into your life, what you're wanting more of. And you, you, you say it as if it's true, as if it's happening. And the reason why we work with this is you are going to those deeper states of consciousness. You are going to this place um, that is maybe below some of the fears, the worries, the reasons why you're not actually doing that thing living the life you want and so what we're doing is we're planting this seed in the deep subconscious so that this beautiful practice can water it now sometimes it's as simple as like i am deeply rested um it could be like i am i am worthy and deserving of love it could be I am writing a New York Times bestseller, if that's, if that is what you're calling in, it. it can literally be whatever you want, but you often repeat it three times in the, in the beginning and three times at the end. And the practice is just really, really supportive for that. Um, so this is another way that it can be supportive emotionally is um, it can actually allow our nervous system to really orient and open up and, uh, and accept something that we want that maybe a part of us doesn't want it it's kind of like we're telling our subconscious yeah it's okay to want this so um a practice will often start with stating the sankalpa and then the real bread and butter is a rotation of consciousness so in this um the facilitator is guiding you to bring your awareness to different parts of your body so your forehead the tip of your nose your right ear you know your shoulder your elbow and it's going through and it's going the whole body. If it's a short one, maybe you cover less. If it's a longer one, you might really, you know, rotate your consciousness to a lot of different parts. And ideally, you're really feeling into each part, and you're not like thinking about it. Um, and this is really the part where it slows things down. It brings you more into your body. It brings you more into sensation, but in a way that is more neutral than you know. Again, if you have pain and Feeling to those parts might be painful when you're not in this relaxed state, um, and it's interesting because there is a study that really showed the most brain activation during the rotation of consciousness, and the the authors sort of hypothesized that, um, you know, as you're as you're feeling into these different parts, those different parts of your brain are lighting up because you know you're literally. Um, visualization is very, very powerful. So, um, a rotation of consciousness is, is kind of a key way that it starts. Um, then it might go into some type of awareness of breath, whether that is a more neutral breath. Sometimes it's counting down from 10, something like that. Um, some practices will explore feelings and sensations so it could be imagining opposites. So sometimes I'll do this of like imagine you're really really hot and then imagine you're really really cold and like playing with these sensations and it's really wild because you will feel it. Um, and then often um, yoga nidra will involve some kind of creative visualization. So this could mean just, seemingly random stuff, a waterfall, a butterfly, or it could be something more similar to a hypnosis or like a shamanic journey where you're imagining, you know, receiving a message from yourself or you're imagining this future that you're wanting. Like there can really be wide variation in this um, and shorter ones might do less of this and practices that are maybe less spiritual might not include this at all but this can be if you you know wanted to really get creative or seek something out like you could envision yourself doing that thing that you want to be doing and you're really helping your subconscious be like yes I can do that whether that's you know writing a book or finding love or whatever and then um you know there could be one or more of those kind of creative visions you know again it can really take a lot of forms and then basically we end by um repeating the sankalpa the intention and then you're very slowly led out because you're in this deep deep state and you know your body needs time to come out. So that's the rough architecture. I'd say the rotation of consciousness is the most common one I see. Um also the sankalpa, but again, not in those quote unquote non-sleep deep rest ones. Um and this is going to look very different if it's an hour versus if it's 10 minutes. Um so yoga nidra is maybe less aligned with its yogic traditions than it used to be um but i for one am i i love all the different variations and they're so supportive to my nervous system um, and i like to get creative and i might have a theme that i'm working with and i really include a lot of cues that, that really help someone feel into that such as feeling deeply supported or being able to let go Um, So I play around with all that. Um, And one thing I recommend is to work with the samkalpa over time and just repeatedly use the same one and use variations of it and really have it be aligned with what you're you're calling in in your life. So let's talk about when to do yoga nidra. I'm first going to tell you when to not do it. Don't do it right before bed. Don't do it in the evenings. I know sometimes my workshops for yoga nidra are in the evenings because that's when y'all are free. but Remember how you get a bunch of dopamine afterwards? Yeah, we want dopamine in the morning. We don't actually want dopamine in the evening. Um, It can make it hard to go to sleep because our body's like, I'm ready, let's go, let's get it. (laughs) Um, So there are ones that are for sleep and by all means, do those right before bed. But for example, you might not wanna do a yoga nidra at 8 p.m. because you might be up all night. And so the sweet spot is really to do it Basically, I'd say late morning or early afternoon. So, I probably do one at 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. That's my most consistent. And, you know, for me, the cue is when I'm tired and when I'm hitting a wall, when I'm not wanting to work, when I'm maybe wanting more caffeine, but I know I shouldn't. That's when I do yoga nidra. 20 to 30 minutes if I have the time, shorter if I don't, more if I'm really feeling like I need it. But you basically wanna do it in that sweet spot where it's gonna give you energy. Think about it as like giving you energy for a second act. Um, You don't wanna do it too late. The other day I was having a really a really rough morning and I was being really hard on myself and I left a workout and I was like, I'm tired. And so I did a yoga nidra and I completely fell asleep and woke up, felt so much better. And I realized that's something I forgot to say is you probably will fall asleep, especially in your early experiences with yoga nidra. That's fine. In fact, that is a signal from your body that you needed that sleep. Your body's like, please give me the sleep. That's okay. Um, You'll also probably have times where you do it and you feel like your brain doesn't shut off and you didn't actually relax and it was so frustrating and it wasn't at all what you wanted to feel like. And yet afterwards, you probably will feel calmer. You probably will feel better. This is what a lot of my clients say. I've experienced this as well. Um, The whole spectrum of yoga nidra is totally welcome and it's all within the range of what could be expected. Sometimes it's utterly blissful. Sometimes our brain doesn't shut up. It is all gonna have health benefits. Um, and I will say other studies of meditation has found that even when people felt like they couldn't calm their mind, they couldn't stop thinking, they still had, um, you know, improved scores in whatever they were looking at. I don't remember. Um, so let me see if there's anything else I want to say about Sankalpas, about Yoga Nidra. Hmm. I, think, I think we covered most things, so... Why don't we jump in to doing a yoga nidra? My dear one, this is a yoga nidra practice, which means I want you to lay down, get cozy, pillow under your knees, blanket, cover those eyes, put me in your ears.
2: Let's get cozy. And as you're getting cozy, think about your samkalpa, your intention. This is a seed that we're going to plant that this practice is going to water. Mm. So slowly begin to drop in, settle in, get all those last wiggles and movements out. And take a few nice inhales and exhales that are the longest ones of your day. <sighs> imagine that your brain is just slowly turning off we're shutting down all the systems that are running we're turning off the computer and we're deeply resting like without changing it notice the sounds around you my voice without being attached letting sensation and sound wash over you to mine your sankalpa, culpa, your intention. A brief statement, such as, I am deeply resting. Or, I am love. Repeat it internally three times. to your forehead simply noticing your right ear left ear tip of the nose lips chin Going out of order here. Thumb right <laughs> whichever fingers I haven't done, feel those <laughs> wrist, elbow, left shoulder or so. Bowl. right hip. Ankle. Big toe. Second toe. Third toe. Fourth. Pinky. Ankle. Knee. leg, entire left side, entire left side and right hemisphere of the brain, right leg, of your brain. Feeling your entire body relaxed and at ease yet full of aliveness and sensation. yourself. where you meet whatever is holding you beneath you roots start to come from you down into the earth these roots are your sankalpa coming to life your toes, shifting so slowly from side to side, feeling your energy slowly increase while maintaining this deep relaxation. touch your body with your hands to bring yourself more and more back. You might roll to the side. You might decide to take a nap. Let yourself transition with so much slowness and tenderness. And deeply rested
0: all right that's it for today's episode if you enjoyed what you just heard found it valuable and want to keep exploring with me please click follow to help others learn about this make sure to give me a five-star rating write a review and share it with all your people To learn more about my work, go to JacquelineExplains.com and sign up for my email list so that you can receive life-changing somatic practices in your inbox. See you next week.